With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. From Coolidge, Arizona, on January the 16th, 2014. If you're following the episode, this tonight will be episode 34 as a part of part two, lesson number nine. Seven through as far as we can get tonight. <clears throat> now let's remember that uh, in chapter four, We have the request to find someone worthy. Um, Someone who is considered worthy in verse 13, uh, verse 11. Here we go. We have this... um, Wonderful picture through the eyes of John and what he saw and what he saw the living creatures doing, giving glory, honor, thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Verse 11, worthy are you. I want you to remember that, that this is addressing Jehovah God, God the Father, our Lord and our God. You are worthy to... Uh, receive glory, honor, power. We talked about those things somewhat last week. And because of your will, they existed and were, uh, for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Now, this one is considered worthy by his audience because of what reason? We just read it. Because he created. He brought all things into being, gave them their existence. And on that basis, he is considered worthy. That's created, not not That's right. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and and that's in chapter four, and then in chapter five, the first few verses, uh, we we have the issue of the book coming into play, and uh, uh, is there someone worthy for the book? You know, can we open the book? And this 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 book uh, we. Um, as we read last week, was written inside and out, filled up, no room for anything else. What's inside of that book is going to be everything that uh, there is to be said. It contains it all. 
no surprises. And tonight, uh, when we begin in chapter 5 and verse 7, we have one who is found worthy, and he came and took the book, verse 7, out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now let's remember that he had horns, this one, in the previous few verses, That represents all power, all authority. And remember that he said, all authority has been given to me. All power has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And the horns represent that totality of power. He had eyes to see, conscious of all that's going on, did we read Second Chronicles last week? Um, let's go to Second Chronicles on the um, Second Chronicles just briefly here. <clears throat> Got a lot to cover tonight. I don't think we'll get through all of Chapter Five, but we'll Second uh, Chronicles uh, sixteen. I don't believe you have that reference down there. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. All right. All right, 8 and 9. And starting with verse 8, the second part of verse 8, Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. That's a little bit of the background. Verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Now, you ought to think about that. And there is a great lesson built out of this context about... uh, what's going on here historically. But the, uh, the idea there that the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the earth, they're all connected to Him. And what is He looking for? And when He finds what He is looking for, what is, what is He looking to do? Yeah. All right. He is so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's what separates. That's the separating factor. So he knows what's going on. Nothing that happens in the world takes God by surprise. There are many things that we wonder, why do they continue? And yet in God's big scheme of things, those things are continued because they always reveal something that if we're looking for, we can see it through history. So he came and so this one who was found worthy, he came and took this one who has the eyes 
in the previous few verses, has the horns. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, I like that sense of confidence. He was not timid about it. He knew he was the worthy one. He knew why he was worthy. He had done his job and done it right and done it well, and so he had complete confidence. Anytime you find anyone who does what they do well, there are usually people who have some level of confidence. And if you want people with confidence, that's how they get it. They have to do little things well, and they have to have confidence that what they did was the best they could do. That's how confidence is built. That's what gave this one, this one who is discovered as worthy, the confidence is that he knew he was the worthy one. He had no timidity. Well, there's a whole lesson there, but let's go on to verse 8. So he came, took the book right out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne, verse 8, and when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb. Each one holding a harp. Now, where are they? Where is this all taking place? And what do they have in heaven? A harp. Naughty, naughty. Now, why did I say that? <laughs> you would think that if anything would be permissible in heaven, it might be permissible in the church. Oh. Hmm? Oh. Yes, but that was Moses' harp. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Some of you are just a little bit slow here. One holding a harp, each one holding a harp, and the golden bowls. These golden bowls were full of incense. Incense is a type of prayer. And here it states which are the prayers of the saints. Prayers is noun. It's a noun, not a verb. So the heart of the meaning here uh, is... um, in the noun use of the word prayers. So they were able to be preserved. God thought enough of them that they were put in golden bowls and they provided the presence of God with incense. That ought to be an encouragement to learn how to pray and pray right. To go through the process, God is, God is interested in when we talk to him, no matter how it is, I suspect. But the more we are in tune with him 
as to why we pray and what we're praying for, then the more precious it becomes and it fills that whole that whole atmosphere where God's presence is with incense. That's the beautiful thing about praying saints as to what they do to the heavenly scene. And they sung an old song. Well, they sang a new song. Okay, now, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. And notice these three things. Here's why. You were slain. That doesn't ring a bell. You were slain. So God was dead, right? So you were slain. Now remember the distinction now between 411 why God was worthy, now we need to notice why the lamb is worthy. You were slain as a lamb, as a lion of the tribe of Judah. All of those things give to us his human origin and identity. Let's not forget that. And you and he purchased for God. That's here's a three point sermon, Neil. If you need a sermon, what what made Jesus worthy to expose the future to those people to whom John is writing was that he had been slain. In his slaying, he pur- he purchased for God with his blood from every tribe tongue, people, and nation. That's universal. That's Catholic. The word Catholic means universal. And thirdly, what he has done in his purchasing of them by his having been slain, he has made them to be a kingdom of priests or a kingdom and priest to our God, depending on how you look at the original language there. And those that have been made a kingdom of priests will reign upon or continue to reign upon the earth. We need to hear a lot more preaching. So they have a new song. In chapter 4, the, what they were saying regarded God as the creator, but this new song regards redemption. The new song in Revelation, 
is, uh, and I'm reading from the notes here, seems clearly to be said in contrast to the deliverance under Moses. There was a difference. And the other verses I think we are familiar with in Hebrews 9.26 about the blood of Christ, and of course the New Testament is full of that. But let's just focus in on this, uh, this little three-point thing here that Jesus is worthy. What made him worthy is that he was slain, and in his being slain, he purchased with his blood for God all of mankind potentially. And he had made them then by that purchasing to be a kingdom. A kingdom and priest. You see how they're all dove that it all dovetails together that when when he went to the cross to shed his blood, there was a purchasing thing that took place. By that shed blood, mankind was redeemed, purchased, rebought from Satan's control back to God and um, it was blood that in, it, it blood that uh, was shed to include all of mankind universal application and those who are purchased make up a kingdom of priests not something to be projected two, three thousand years in their future, but it is tied directly to them having been purchased for God by his blood, and therefore the kingdom, folks, was in place then. Can you see any any escape from that in the text? Man, there, the Greek word anthropos, or uh, which word, Neil? Verse 9. Yeah. In the Greek? I don't think it's there at all. Okay, it's just put in. Oh, there it is. It, yeah, and redeemed, and the word redeemed here is used in there, and, re, and hast redeemed know us, to God, in blood. So where where do we have to be to be a participant in that redemption? In the blood. That means we have to have an identity with him when the blood was shed. That's in his death. That's what baptism accomplishes. Uh, and then out of every kindred and tongue. So it's not even that word isn't even there. People and nation. But it's still not a general word as primary word. That I mean that that's pretty all inclusive, isn't it? People is. Yeah, pe- people. Um, 
primary word, one tone. Yeah, and I think the key word to put in here. Well, the uh, the Calvinists uh, are going to claim that it's still a limited atonement if they can find a way. It's if very hard to do it there. But is it specific enough that there's no um, I don't I don't see how one can maneuver their I don't see how anybody can maneuver this around to accommodate any element of Calvinism or of premillennialism. It goes against the context. It seems sure seems that way to me. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you see, if that if there's any options, then then you'd have somebody like Nolan walking in, and, and that's just a forbidden thing, you know. <laughs> Hi, Nolan. Hi, Dave. So the word by is really in, right? Um, which verse? Um, which verse not, is it, Lana? Did purchase for God with thy blood, or is it in? In there. Yeah. In. In the blood. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, see, that's why I said earlier that it is. It is there potentially for all of mankind, but where do they have to be to be participants in the the blood? And he... This this is the answer to the Calvinistic question, because you have to be in the blood, so this is a decision again. That's right. Which they, of course, deny the decision, but... This makes it clear it is a decision. You either are or you aren't after you know you should be. <laughs> Let's go to Acts 20, that's right, uh, Acts twenty twenty eight. In your incapability... Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he did what? All right, the church is the collective group then of the people here that he's talking about. I don't, if you want to write that in your notes, you might want to put that on verse 9. That's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to discuss on that verse, but I, 
the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So uh, that's what he's talking about in Revelation 5.9. He's just worded differently. So this is, gives us some additional information on that. And that's, a, that's a, uh, an eternal principle from God, the issue of blood and forgiving sin. Restated in Hebrews 9, as far as remitting of sin without the blood. blood, There is no remission of sin. Was that 9.22 maybe? Something Something like that. So, in verse 10, the third thing, not only was he slain, see, that's what validates the resurrection, folks. And remember that he was slain from the foundation of the world, of the earth. God had a God had a thing in mind prior to the creation that gave cause for the creation. And what that accomplished was it it purchased something for God. And we read in Acts twenty twenty eight, well, that's the church. So be careful what you say about the church that the blood of Christ purchased. And if we are the church of God here, if we're a part of the church that the blood of Christ purchased right here in Coolidge, we better be real sure how we talk about it. And then he made those, he made them, those who were purchased, not everyone's going to be purchased, but those who are, he's made to them, he's made them to be a kingdom, a kingdom and priest. With a high priest, who we know from Hebrews is Christ, priest to our God, and then those are the ones who reign upon the earth. And if we got verse 10, uh, that and they will reign, I want to see what the tense is there. <clears throat> I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, my memory is not too far off base. And we, by the way, <clears throat> what, is your, and, and what does it say in, in your translation there? <clears throat> and they will reign? That's what my that's what the text says that I've given to you. That's third person. Yeah. And but you see some of it says we just had another one up there that oh in the interlinear. <clears throat> you see, and we shall reign. Well we're gonna find that again when we get to um uh chapter six. <clears throat> we have to be careful because this is in the third person plural, and it's not in first person plural, <clears throat> like this one translates it as. So that's another outstanding error in the King James. <clears throat> but I want to look at the will in verse... Oh, which way? Oh, it is? 
to people a day just universal. Everybody. Yeah. That's how they look at it. They don't look at it the way. But it isn't. It's not, we is not in there. No, it's uh, this third person plural. And uh, then the we, <clears throat> we will, we shall reign. That's plural. It is uh, future, active, indicative. <clears throat> so if we get the third person, then we know what to do with that we. It should be, and they, and they, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they, of course, is referring to whom? The kings and the priests. They is plural, and uh, they will reign upon the earth. And uh, <clears throat> we need to remember that we're going. We're going to. Um, what the word? What about the word? Uh, 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 the word um, upon. Is it upon, or is it on, or over, or what? My oh, Bible. upon. <clears throat> My Bible has a couple of different. Okay. Things that it could be. It says on question mark over question. Epi. Epi. Um, epi, let's just confirm epi. <clears throat> it's in the genitive? Yeah. Then it would be <clears throat> in contact with earth or on. On the who? On the right side of the sod. In other words, on it. Oh, that's right. Under. On. Okay. Yeah. Right side of the sod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So who's going to be doing the reigning? And let's look at that word uh, reigning there too in the, uh, the definition of that word. Um <clears throat> Who uh, really doesn't tell you much? Uh, to rule. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's not it's not very explanatory. <clears throat> well, I may have to do some side work on that. <clears throat> So who do we have reigning now? <clears throat> and this kingdom of priests. And where is where are they going to be reigning? On earth. On earth. On earth. Need to remember that. We will explore that a little more uh, with another little facet here later on here. <clears throat> then, in verse 11, I looked. And heard, the, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now, if you want to check on that in the uh, Greek and see what, uh, how they define myriads, 
<clears throat> right there. 10,000. Okay, just one. I don't know about you, but that's quite an assembly. And ten thousands of ten thousands, and thousands of thousands. So it's indicative of a number that's rather difficult to count. I think it's too much to count. Yeah. I think that's why he, the emphasis is the way it is there. <clears throat> that also shows the illustrates the because we know what one angel can do on earth. Uh, this all goes back to the power of God again. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's definitely just an So why would that be added? Well, I'm going to suggest it's added in here to these people because they're going to see these seals broken. They're, they're going to think their world is coming unglued. And so John is providing here, provided with a vision that enables him to put it into writing and to write it down so that those people at that time would not lose a hold on their faith. God is bigger than the issues we're going to be facing. You have to face them. Many of you will die. But that is no that says nothing that God isn't there. That's just something that has to take place. <clears throat> And here's what they're saying. And it says that they I heard a voice of many angels, many angels. So as Neil has said, we know what just one angel can do. But here you got 10,000, possibly times 10,000, thousands times thousands. That's a... You know, we're talking about millions. And they're all saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Now, <clears throat> this is what throws me to a thing that uh, I've brought for you tonight. <clears throat> All of you have a copy of this by Jesse Milk. Let me let me read quickly a whole paragraph. Because this guy is so right on, in my opinion, in so many things. This is page one oh one in his book Revelation Survey and Research. Notice what he says in that concluding observations. We have noticed that throughout the Old Testament, from Moses to the last prophet of Israel, predictions of covenant wrath and judgment were constantly given. Daniel was told that the rest of the story 
was sealed up until the time of the end of the age. Both John the Baptist and Jesus warned their generation of the near approach of the end of the age. John here in the book of Revelation chapter 5 shows that the time for the opening of the seals of this book has come. But no one in heaven or on earth is worthy to execute the judgments contained in this sealed book except the Lamb. Only he can open it and execute it because he is more, now notice, he is more than just a human being, angel or other created being. Folks, so far he is so right on. He is God's own divine son. That's true. Shares deity. That's true. Because the word deity simply means that you are sharing in the character of someone else, and that's why the church is the deity of God in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. So he is alone to open the book and bring uh, down to the last paragraph upon the enemies of God. No other chapter in the New Testament proclaims the deity of Christ and the unique power and value of his redeeming work any more dynamically and conclusive than this one. Now go up. Now remember that. He's saying this is their most powerful argument. And it is no argument at all. That is not what's being addressed. Go back with me to um, uh, to the middle of the previous, uh, about the middle of the page of there, where it says, do, do I have it underlined in red? Uh, where it says, these two texts, these two texts reveal the deity of Christ and the fact of the Trinity is undeniable and indisputable in an undeniable and indisputable fashion. The conclusion is inescapable. Jesus is deity along with the Father and the Spirit. A lot of things that this writer is so bright, right, so bright, so well-educated, such a comprehensive view of history, it is unbelievable. But then he puts aside all of the fine-tuning that he does ever, everywhere else, and he jumps to conclusions for which he has no base. And it says these are his most powerful arguments. Well, let's look. Let's look at Hebrews, or uh, John, chapter 17. <clears throat> just, let's just look at what he says are the two most powerful passages. <clears throat> look what Jesus said in John 17, verse 4. Well, we'll start with verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Is there a clear distinction there or not? Now remember, we're in his context. I glorified you on the earth. 
having accomplished the work which who has given to whom? You. God has given to him. You have given to me. Now, Father, oh, I love this. I don't know why he ever picked this verse. Glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you. Oh. Before the world was, I had glory with you, but what happened? He gave it up. And he came to earth putting aside in Philippians chapter 2 that glory, that thing that recognized God as God. He put that aside. It was a garment that he took off and put aside. So what this author is doing is totally ignoring the fact that when Jesus came, he was man, and as a man, he accomplished everything that he came to do as a man, and he had previous glory with the Father, and now he came as a man that man can bring glory to the Father so that when he goes back to the Father, he will have that glory restored as it was in the beginning. All the apostles taught concerning Jesus. It's, uh, it's consistent. Amen. And the Gospel of John, the first chapter, the first few verses, makes it clear again. That's right. Uh, the distinction of now and before. And that's right. It, it is perfect in, in uh, context. And, and then... Uh, and the preconceived notions are hard oh, to deal with. They're hard. I wanted to show you this tonight so that you have it in, you know, that we're we're not fighting against a straw man, um, but from someone who I have really high regard for. I'm not picking on him as a human being, but he might be able to sit down and realize that his doctrine of the Trinity is deniable and it is disputable. The word Trinity is what they're trying to deify. I think that's where I think you're right. Since it's not in the scripture, they try every and it I guess it seems like a really good idea. <laughs> but it's just not doctrine. It's just not there. Not to mention that the word Holy Spirit is never it's not in John fifteen anywhere anywhere near there. But talking about Christ. That's right. Yeah, and he completely, where he is in some places so in tune with the original language, and yet in some of these issues that are his foundational belief, he ignores all the grammar. Goes back to the conventional. Goes back to the conventional. Systematic theology. So that's why you've got to watch books. You have to do your own thinking. So let me uh, let me conclude. Our time is about up. Boy, I don't know. Um, so in chapter, what was that, Neil? I said it's a great illustration, but sad. It is because this is the issue. Yeah, and that uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not taking his position there to discredit the good things that he does say. 
his uh, his historical work is just, I think, beautifully done. Speaking of dis discrediting, I think that take you know taking that that common approach completely discredits the fact that Christ had also had His will. Scripture tells us, "Not my will, but yours." So you've got one being with two different wills. See, it, it's like any lie. It's exposed when you just pick at it a little bit. And, but you completely strip the son's love of not only the father but of man away when you adopt that theology. You strip that from him. You make it meaningless like it never existed. And without that will... His will, it, none of it would have happened. He had to be in accordance with the Father. Why, why do people want to take that away from us? It's infuriating to me. Hey, I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm sensing a little passion there. I like that. Good, good point. But, I mean, if everybody loves Jesus so much, then why don't they really love him? Yeah. For, for, you know, the love that he deserves. Well, this issue of deifying Jesus of Nazareth is approached like a mystery book. They're looking for clues everywhere and come to some conclusion that they've got enough clues to really say it so. And then they forget about the passages where Jesus of Nazareth calls his father God. You know, that's, that's hard to deal with. It is. I guess... You know, you throw it in for another nickel that the, the you know, theology of the uh, spirit makes our will non-existent. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, you've got a three for three for one special there. Yeah. He's getting it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, in chapter four, verse one, we have one who is worthy for all the honor and glory. For what reason? And that's the Father. He's the creation. He is the creator. Oh, Jesus is the creator. No, we already know from our views of the past, every text you look up, it isn't by him. It is through him. Through him. Folks, you can verify it. It's through him. The by should not be there. So in, in chapter 4, verse 11, we have the Father is honored because of being the creator of all things and because of his will all things exist. That's why they were created, is to bring them into existence. Now in chapter 5, verse 12, we have one who is worthy for honor and glory because what he does, he makes everything that God created worthwhile. You see that? He makes here, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. He is making every, he is making, he's worthy. He is made worthy because what he has done is made what God did 
worthwhile. Gave it purpose. Gave it a reason. And that's why he was slain, purchased for God, made those who come to him a kingdom of priests or priestly kings. I mean, there's a little bit of a difficulty there in the translation, but it really ends up being the same thing. He is the one who gives purpose. That's why it was through him that all things are held together. Remember in Colossians 1? Let's close with that verse. Our time is up. Um, In Colossians 1, He is before all things, and in Him, in Him, all things hold together. He gives meaning, longevity, connection of everything. So he is being honored for what he did differently than what God was being honored for. God was being honored and given glory and all the things that were attributed to the Father as the Creator. But in chapter 5, verse 1, which our author that we read so obviously escapes him, that this one is receiving honor and glory and power and all the things that he's receiving because he did something that put meaning to what God did. And so he's worthy. The lamb that was slain, the man that was able to be slain, the lamb that represented the lamb of sacrifice of the old covenant. Worthy is that one. He was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, and might, honor, glory, and blessing. Anyone who was able to accomplish, any man able to accomplish what Jesus did and be loyal to his Father is worthy of that kind of adoration. But remember the distinction, well, at least in my mind, that chapter 4, verse 11, is talking about the worthiness of God because he brought all things into existence. Here, in chapter 5 and verse 12, it has to do that the son, the one who was slain, the man who remained loyal all through his earthly little while, in the days of his flesh for a little while, was worthy of the same things for the most part that God was worthy for, but because he had done something different. And what he had done was different was what God could not do. See that? Jesus came to do what God did not send himself to do. That would have never brought about the defeat of Satan to where the heavenly host would see that God was the winner over the conflict that took place in in, uh, heaven because 
the earth was created as a solution to the sin problem, not to begin the sin problem. I'm done. And what makes it, because man chooses God, it says so much more than God just making man his servant. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. That's why the heavens see that, and we made a choice. And what more can can there be? You know, Ephesians three ten, I think it is, says that you don't need to look. You don't need to go to it, but it says this, and I'm paraphrasing the Tractor version. Yeah. <laughs> but he says the 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 manifold wisdom of God. When they look at what God has done in the church, purchased by Christ, it says the heavenly beings, the principalities and powers, stand in awe. Because it's the solution. It was the solution to the sin problem in heaven between God and Satan. So we should speak well. Of the church. We had better speak well of the church. And Christ, of course, is to have the preeminence in all things. Ephesians Colossians 1 also. So, Jesus is the one, or the Lamb, the one slain, is the one worthy for making what God did worthwhile, putting the value to it, putting the purpose into it, and we have better not mess with it. Father, we are thankful tonight for these few moments. And may the ideas um, be pondered and thought about, not just for argument's sake, but for the sake of developing a true appreciation for what John is seeing, the beauty and the splendor and the innumerable angels that are there in the presence giving credence to the plan, to the purpose, to the design. May that be our healing in Jesus' name. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.